Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. Thanks so much for finding us, whether you're listening or watching on YouTube. We very much appreciate it. Uh, We hope you like what you hear. And if you do, make sure you subscribe. It's okay. I'll remind you to do it again later. Uh, But Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, uh, YouTube, wherever it is you're watching or listening, make sure that you are subscribed for all of the latest content. Today on this here edition of the show, we are going to talk NFL Combine. Logan has finally made it back. Uh, I've been back since last Friday. Uh, obviously made the trip. Logan Logan was supposed to get back nice and early yesterday, Monday, as we record this. Uh, had some had some flight issues, bro. Correct. Not a yeah. good time. Yeah, they had to fix the plane. And it was always it's a little disconcerting when you see the mechanic like on the tarmac, like undrilling the panel on the engine. You're like, huh, hopefully that goes well. So did we made it back? <laughs> good for him. <laughs> yeah, good job. Good job, McCann. It's it that is the funny thing about flight delays, not to get on too much of a tangent here, but like you're like, ah, this sucks. But it's probably better than the alternative, which is just going through with this faulty plane. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, my my only flight issue coming back was we didn't have a gate and then we didn't have a jetway operator, which now I chuckle at because uh, that happened to us when we flew to England. But in, in England, they don't call them jetways. They call them jetties. And so now oh. in my head, I'm just like, oh, we're, wait, we're waiting for the jetty <laughs> operator. There's that accent uh, again. But that's uh, apropos of nothing. All right. <laughs> Uh, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, we were both at the combine. We're going to talk about some of the high level stuff that kind of our takeaways as we, we left conversations that we had, et cetera. And then we're going to do a deeper dive on the two main position groups that have been linked to the commanders at 16 offensive line corner. I thought there's some really interesting stuff that happened uh, specifically at corner. Logan obviously watched every single drill, every single guy uh, in person because he was still there for the workout portion of the combine. But Logan, let's just start like you get there. You see some old buddies. Uh, guys from around the league, what are the conversations like that you're having uh, over the, the course of the past week? Well, you know, it's interesting, and I think this is something that is always a good reminder is just how people are when they're talking about the draft, like how they're distributing information. You know what I mean? So it's like if they're telling you something, like what is their motivation for telling you something? Like do they really feel this way or are they kind of trying to, to change a narrative? The other thing is like, you know, I've got some really good friends that are very honest with me, and The other thing that is always kind of interesting in those conversations is all of the personal information about the prospects that the public isn't necessarily privy to that, you know, PFF, all these mock drafty kind of 
draft companies are not privy to. And it's amazing to me the stuff that these schools are able to keep quiet about some of these guys. Not that it's bad, but it's just like kind of these little personality quirks or, you know, somebody's bipolar, somebody's taking medication for whatever. And you're just like, holy cow, you know, that, that and that that is something that really impacts the draft process. So, you know, on, you know, when the draft rolls around, you say, oh, why isn't so-and-so getting drafted? Like there's a huge portion of information that we as a public are not privy to that these teams are super, super dialed in on. So those, those conversations are always interesting, um, what, what people are giving you and also um, kind of their motivation for giving it to you. Yeah, no, that stuff is always super interesting. And you know, that's when teams have to be realistic with themselves. Like if someone's got something that they're dealing with, but they know how to deal with it and, you know, with the proper support, like they're going to be the guy that we see on saw on the field on Saturdays, on Sundays, Correct. then yeah. that's on the team. But if the team is like, oh, I don't know if we can handle that. Um, yeah. That's that's their loss and says something about you as an organization and the infrastructure you have in place, the human infrastructure as well in terms of support systems, all that kind of stuff. Um, your sports psychologist, your, you know, your medical team, whatever but um yeah no that that kind of stuff uh and, and like you said it's not always incidents um you know like oh that this guy got in a bar fight or this guy did this thing or that yeah. thing it, it's like oh yeah he's he's a little difficult to coach yeah. or he's you know you got to make sure he's motivated in, in this like way. standoffish in the meeting even stuff like yeah. that it shows up and then you kind of say well why is he being standoffish do we need to follow up and um you know it just it's it's just really interesting i think you know the stuff that comes out and you know, the stuff that, you know, like his coach said this about him or, you know, there was this thing that happened in college and we don't think it's a big deal. We don't think it's the, the, the term they use. We don't think it's fatal. Right. Fatal being that, like, he's not he's not a draftable prospect now, but there's yeah, always it comes off the board. Yeah. Someone's got a little bit of baggage. Like I remember talking about a couple of prospects and uh, this gentleman was like, oh, yeah, he's a he's an absolute psychopath. And like that has never come out about anything. You know what I mean? So it's just and I'm not going to tell anybody about these kids because that's not my place to tell them. But. It is interesting in terms of like your evaluation and like you're like, oh, I'm super high on this guy. And they're like, I wouldn't be. And it's not because of the tape. It's not because of the workout. It's because of, you know, the interview process and the stuff that they've turned up in the investigation. So that's always super interesting. Um, and the other thing I want to bring up, it's also really interesting, like guys that are really forthcoming with me kind of year round are all of a sudden starting to become a little bit more guarded. And I think that's another thing about this time of year and, and you know, why it's important to keep that information close and again, it, it kind of feeds into that narrative of why is person X telling me when person Y is being so guarded? Are they trying to get me to report something? Are they trying to get me to um, tell the commanders about that or whatever it is? You know what I mean? So it's always a really interesting time in terms of navigating those contacts and and what's real information. I think it's all real information, but I guess like what is the the motivation, the genesis for for that distribution of information? Welcome to my world, pal. I know it's tough. That's that's I mean, it's funny because I've had this conversation with multiple people and now I've kind of brought it to the air as well on the radio show about the ownership situation of like no reporter is reporting stuff they've made up. Right. The question is, can the reporter suss out why person X is telling them thing Y and whether it's actually worthy of reporting or is it worth just sticking in your back pocket is like oh, they're trying to spin me because they're trying to increase or decrease the price. They're trying to, you know, get the NFL to apply pressure because if we this thing becomes public, then they'll shove Dan along and, you know, maybe he's being stubborn about this one particular thing or whatever. It, it's happening from both sides. And so that motivation, especially, and, and it's funny because I've actually made the comparison too to this time of year for free agency in the draft. Like we've entered silly season. 
Yeah. Um, we've entered this time of year and the same thing is true with the sale. We're like, because it's close, because we are now at crunch time, people are trying to push their narrative in that last little bit of tug of war uh, before we get to the actual conclusion, the resolution of whether it's drafting, whether it's a signing of a player, whether it's uh, obviously the sale of the team. And thus, you've got a lot of powerful people in the ears of a lot of reporters. And, you know, they're trying to figure out what they can get out to, to help their side. Um, speaking of the conversations I had at the combine typically were one of two things. Uh, and a lot of mine were more of like media folks than mm -hmm. uh, talking to sure. some NFL folks, which I, I certainly had some of those conversations, but talking to a lot of media folks, one was, were questions about the sale. And, mm -hmm. and obviously as that continues to go, we will cover it here on the podcast, but also ongoing coverage on the Hoffman show. Uh, make sure you subscribe to my channel on YouTube as well at Craig Hoffman, if you're not, uh, to get some of that. And of course on the radio, uh, three to six every day, but it was that or the other one was are they really going with sam Howell? <laughs> yeah and i got it was that funny a lot because yeah. for some people that was a very exciting thing yeah they're like wow i can't believe they're actually going with Howell. like i love that i think he's going to be awesome and some people are like are you serious he's a fifth round pick and and when you frame it this way it does seem kind of nuts rivera's in a win now situation like he's got to win this year and he is going with a guy who's thrown 19 NFL passes and was a fifth round pick. And I realized that we can dive into the caveats of, you know, well, he should have been drafted higher. A lot of people had a higher grade, you know, he's super talented. They do have a year on him to like understand who he is on some level. They like what they saw, like all those things. But at the end of the day, in a year where Ron Rivera's got to probably make the playoffs and maybe even win a playoff game, he is relying on Sam Howe. And once you kind of get out of the commander's media bubble, where we've all just accepted that that's what it is, people, the disbelief that I was met with when I was catching up with, with old friends and colleagues was, was pretty hysterically funny. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because, like, you know, go, you go around and that Sam Howell does come up quite a bit. You know, they know I work for the commanders and they're like, oh. And when you talk to scouts, they're like, oh, man, I loved him. You know what I mean? I had a second-round yeah. grade on him. I had a first-round grade on him. So, obviously, there are people around the league they really like what he did and think that he's going to be a productive player. Uh, I do think that it's important to acknowledge that the team is, they're going to look at other quarterbacks, you know, like on the of day course. that the quarterbacks were at the draft, like, you know, where the media section was, it had just happened to be right below where the commanders were their boxes and all the coaches are in there and they're looking at quarterbacks, you know, and I think that's just good process obviously, but it's, it's also saying like, you know, Sam is going to have a chance to win the starting quarterback, but we are going to look, at all of our options. You better believe they're going to kick the tires on some of these free agents. I know we talked about they're probably not in the market for those Jimmy Garoppolo's, Derek Carr type guys, but they're going to kick the market right. on a good free agent quarterback. If one of these quarterbacks that they like falls to them at 16, I'm sure they would consider it. I'm not saying they're going to draft a quarterback or anything like that, but just because of good process, good sound process, they're, they're going to exhaust all options here. You know what I mean? Um, and like, we'll talk about the quarterbacks maybe tomorrow or at some point, but um, you know, Thursday, whenever the next show comes out. But, you know, I do think it, there is a conversation to be had there about this class. And again, I'm not, I just, so no one missed, hears me. I'm not saying they're going to draft a quarterback, but they're definitely looking at the quarterbacks and completing an evaluation on the quarterbacks so they can make the best decision for the team this upcoming season. Totally. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. 
Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we had a, a nice, cute conversation on the radio show last week about what should they do if Anthony Richardson falls to 16? All right, no way that dude's going to 16 uh, where, yeah. where they are right now. Which I now, think is, now the bigger question is, like, would they consider trading up if he fell to, like, 10? Which I think um, is a mistake, though. I don't think he should go as high as he's going to go. Like, I, you know, so everyone talks about the physical traits of him, and, like, he's a unicorn. Like, there's never been a quarterback like him ever in the history of the NFL Combine. Great. You know, huge hands. Big kid. He was taller than they thought he was going to be. He was heavier than they thought it would be. He was faster. He jumped higher. Like it was literally like the bionic man. And I had a coach, I had a scout tell me, I think he should play tight end. And I said, Oh, you don't think he'd play quarterback? I said, His he is so raw at the quarterback position. This was a scout, I forget who the scout was from a different team, but he was like, He is so raw that just take the athlete. If you if you think he's that athletic upside, like that's what we're talking about here. He like when you like so everyone has been watching, you know, NFL Network, watching ESPN. They've seen him throw that beautiful fade ball 60 yards in the air and it lands on a dime. For the rest of the those like routes on air, it was pretty hit or miss for him. He missed a couple yeah. slants, he missed a couple big outs. Like his big thing is he is 40 his his completion percentage was 47% last year. That's like historically bad. He can like barely like when you're evaluating Florida receivers, it's like is the ball even catchable? Like it's he, he does have things that get you excited. It's like having a player in Madden that is physically 100 and everything, but like awareness is like five or 10. And I'm not saying he's a dumb guy. I'm just saying he's playing one year of quarterback there. He does. He have upside. Absolutely. Do people compare him to Josh Allen all the time, but he has a lot of growing to do. And that's a, that's a big ticket, big price tag to be taking a guy in the top 15. Who's got a lot of growing to do. Um, I just was, I remembered Allen's completion percentage was real bad at Wyoming. Uh, so I went and looked it up. He was 56%. Uh, so, so, uh, much, much higher, uh, than Richardson. I don't know, man. I I'm kind of on board on the, the Richardson. So uh, I had a conversation trade. with somebody. I had a, I had a, so. I had a, I had a conversation with somebody. It's like, what's the most important thing about playing quarterback? How fast your 40 is? How high you can jump? It's how well you throw the football. And like, that is by far his worst thing. I mean, he can throw it far. Don't get me wrong. He's got a beaut like that ball flies out of his hand, and you can see why people love it. But if he can't read a defense, if he can't be accurate, like isn't shouldn't that be weighed more at the quarterback position than how fast he's sure. running? But so, I think I think people get we'll we'll go into this deeper tomorrow. Yeah, later. Or whatever. Yeah, but, but like the the thing that I'll say about Richardson is this: his floor is really high, and people miss that. Because the modern NFL where teams are less afraid than ever to run the quarterback and they will be especially not afraid to run him if he's 6'4", 240. Mm -hmm. Like, you see what Hurts does. You see what Lamar did. Like, you fields. see Fields. Like, Daniel Justin Jones. Fields. Fields is probably the best comparison for him. Like, Cam came out and had a 4,000-yard season as a rookie. Like, Cam, Cam was much more polished as a passer, much better as a passer, much better as a prospect overall. Um, he's probably the closest thing athletically, and Richardson kind of blows him out of the water, yeah. which is nuts because Cam was a monster. <clears throat> but Fields, stylistically, is probably the guy that's closest, inconsistent as a passer at best, sometimes just flat-out poor, uh, doesn't really want to pass the ball, it seems like sometimes. He's just content to drop back if first read's not there, take off. But he how many times did the bears score 30 last year? Like that offense can work in the NFL and fields did it without 
any help. And so, yes, it's easy to see like, okay, if they could clean up his mechanics and and he's a smart guy and like can, can put the mental side of playing quarterback together because he's barely done. He just doesn't have the reps. Hmm. Like if you want to give him that version, fine. But he's also like, if I'm Atlanta, I'm taking him hmm. because their run offense is just going to get better. Like it was good last year. Imagine what it is with that dude. And they will bring him along as a passer in the way that few other teams probably would. It, it can be slow, but also effective from jump because he's such a threat as a runner. And I think that that is, that's what people miss when they look at a guy like Richardson, they look at a guy like fields and like, Oh man, if he can put it together, what about the ceiling? And they, what they don't realize. And Renner said this last week on the pod, I'll give yeah. him full credit for this. Like, is that the floor is really high because the value of the scramble and the value of a runner at the quarterback position is way higher than people ever gave it credit for. I totally agree with that. I do, but I just think like even Justin Fields was a more prolific passer, more efficient passer, more accurate passer in college, you sure. know? And so you like, I just, is the upside there? Like, absolutely. Is the upside as a runner there? Absolutely. Like, look at what Lamar has done in Baltimore. And Lamar was even, was more proficient than both those guys in the passing game. I just think you need a semblance just kind of a foundational football understanding, you know? And I think like, I'm, and I haven't talked to him. I'm just going based on what I've seen. He's still very green. He's still very raw. So my question is like, yes, he's a great runner, but like, can he learn? Can he develop into something that is worthy of a top 10 pick? And, you know, when you draft a quarterback in the top 10, like they're coming in to start. They're like the face of your organization. Look at the past, 10, 15 quarterbacks that have been drafted in the top 10. Like they are iconic names in the draft. So I just look at that and I say like, does he have the, does he have the acumen to get that done? And I'm not sure that there's a definitive, I can't definitively say no, but I can't definitively say yes either. But if I was a gambling man and you know, I'm a conservative guy, I would be very, very leery of that. I know a lot of teams are probably going to be doing a lot of due diligence on this, but that's something I would kind of be like, Let's just pump the brakes on this. I know this is exciting. I'm excited about it. Shoot, when I was watching it, I was like, can you believe this guy? Like, holy cow. He's a, he's a physical freak. He looks like a giant on the field next to other big men. And so you're kind of like, yeah. he, he is one of one physically. But wh like, what are those traits that make quarterbacks elite? And do they, does it really matter that he's a physical freak? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah, no, I'm, you are, I'm on, you I'm are on a very risk averse football man. Yeah. That is, that is definitely your style, yeah. but um, I, you're, you're not wrong either. I, I just think and I, and I, I don't I, know. you bring up a great point. And th th this is something that I think will be interesting to keep an eye on as we get closer to the draft, because some, because something will come out a mock draft by Daniel Jeremiah, a mock draft by Mel Kuyper, and he will be either lower than people expect or higher than people expect. And that's because he's talked to NFL teams and they've given him their, their scoop that I was getting last week on different players around, you know what I'm saying? That. That'll be an interesting data point to watch over the next couple of months. <clears throat> yeah, no, those big guys who, who kind of mix with information and tape are, are definitely why their mock drafts are, are a little bit more intriguing. Uh, Dane Brugler from The Athletic, guys sure. like that, yeah. kind of the top the top guys at, at those big companies. They have a little bit more information than uh, plenty of guys who do a great job breaking down the tape but don't necessarily have that that kind of background. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the one thing I'll say with, Richardson is he doesn't have a lot of reps either. And like that obviously makes it hard to evaluate, but like what happens when he gets them? And I think that's, that's ultimately the question that teams are trying to answer. Um, and we can obviously talk more about that and what that looks like. And, and also like, where are the fixes? What, what are the reps yeah. uh, going to improve? Because there's some stuff that 
it won't like it's just who he is and there's some stuff that it might um on the acumen side i will say i watched the it, look it's a made for tv segment made to make the kid look good it's produced by nfl network uh but he sits down at a whiteboard with steve mariucci and it's like uh, call my play mm. and so it's a little bit of a mock interview but you know mooch gives him a play he's like this is what we called it and he's like ah oh, this slot guy you know you know who he was for me it was jerry rice you heard of jerry rice it's like yeah i've heard of jerry rice um and so but he he looked he did a great job with it. Now yeah. is it basic stuff? But like he didn't you know it was West Coast terminology. Yeah, yeah. Never done West Coast before. So like you're like okay, there's he seems pretty put together. Um, it's yeah. just he hasn't done it a lot. I mean that's what um, people and, were saying about Trey Lance too. You know, and it's and yeah. I'm not Trey Lance has been hurt. There's been a lot of things that have have slowed his growth. But it, when they don't have that quarterbacks, especially it's such a mental position. When they don't have yeah. that piece. It, it makes me very leery and. Um, and I, you know, shoot, I would be super excited, you know, in that kind of mid first, late first round area. But I think, I think he, because of this, his value is going to be bumped up to kind of, kind of like, uh, kind of like uh, Walker was last year. You know, he tested really well at the combine. He was kind of like a sixteen to twenty pick, the defensive end for Jacksonville now. Oh, Trayvon and Walker, Trayvon yeah, Walker, yeah. and uh, and then he did go to the combine and he got overdrafted. And I think that's kind of what you're going to run into here a little bit.